Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Romance Isn't Dead, wherein we actually do revisit Whitney, my love. Hello, Ray. How are we doing today? Not too bad. We have sunshine and it's a bank holiday weekend over here. Nice. Excellent news. Yeah. I know, isn't it though? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so relieved. We have this one is of our those. Last one. We have one I of those coming. Last one Christmas. Uh, we have one of those coming up. I guess next weekend. It's Labor Day Late in the Day. States. Yeah, Labor Day in the States, and it's you know the unofficial end of summer. Although we'll get back out on the lake later in September, or maybe even into October. But um, my tan is fading. <laughs> huh? You don't really have an end to summer. No, as we've discussed. I live in the South, so we have almost summer, summer, not quite summer, or slash football, um, and Christmas. That's it. Those are our seasons. Mm. Those are our seasons. We have rain, 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 and some sun. (laughs) Stroke rain. Stroke rain. Okay. So, so we're reduced to complaining about our weather. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking out right now. Apparently, we're having the one of the best August, uh, late August bank holidays we've had in since records began. They keep on saying, "Oh, since ever," but I'm sure it's not ever. It's probably just since records began, um, because they're predicting it's going to be in the 90s, which is pretty good. Oh well, that's just like Tuesday for us. So. <laughs> I don't know yeah okay don't need to rub it in we oh, live okay. in the other south okay okay all right so we had decided this time out to deal with Whitney my love because um well people seem to be interested in the first or I guess the second of the series um Kingdom yes. of Dreams well according to Amazon Whitney my love is the first of the Westmoreland saga it's also the first book that Judith McNaught ever wrote. Or at least published. Yeah. Right. Okay. It was published in 85, I believe. Yes. And therefore, my thought process for not doing the other story was ridiculous because this book is actually more, has more age on it than um, than it did. But let me say this. As I was reading this book again, it was written in 1985 and it shows Oh yeah, it it definitely it, it, it aged. It, it it has aged, and in many ways, um, not as well as a Kingdom of Dreams did. True, and <laughs> you know, it's like Clayton is the hero is even more arrogant than Royce. And oh, that's yeah. saying a lot, and I guess those generations of privilege caught up or something i don't know but that's the thing um, i because royce didn't start from a very privileged background yeah but clayton did (laughs) oh yeah thanks Um, to royce and his wife jennifer whose name doesn't make sense anyway moving along um i'm sorry i have to never forgive her for that you are never gonna (laughs) let that go (laughs) and this is your fault i brought it back up today for the record but (laughs) But that having been said, um, as I was rereading this, it hit me 
the version I have of it looks like this. It's just this pink cover, right? Um, and the version that you have is the white cover from like 1989. The, the 86. Yeah, that one's 86. Okay. My white yep. cover was even less. That is, this book is a bodice ripper. It is supposed to have Fabio on the front with his shirt ripped open. Yeah, but it, this, never did, but it never did have. I know, but it's supposed to have, is what I'm saying. This I know, book but he, should have had that bodice ripper cover, because that's what this book is. That's what I'm saying. Reading the description of Clayton, or even Royce, who would you say, disregarding Fabio, because he was on the cover of every single Lindsay um Joanna Lindsay that's out there in fact I think I've got him on the majority of the covers of the ones I've got on my bookcase who would you say would be the uh, would be the perfect body model for Clayton so I need to fan cast <laughs> Clayton or Royce yeah yep go for it um um and there's silence <laughs> I mean, obviously can't be Fabio. You know, it's an... It, oh. Honestly, I can see... Um, I need someone tall, like an Adam Driver or um, a Jared Padalecki, but maybe not that tall. Um, mm -hmm. And Jensen Ackles is just doesn't quite work for me. But the body style is, is Adam Driver to me. Like, what, skinny? Adam Driver's not skinny. He's 6'2", and he's got some... I mean, he has gotten skinny for roles, but in my head, yeah, he, Adam he, Driver's he, got some bulk. Here's the fangirl in her talking no, he's about got <laughs> Have you not seen him in The Last Jedi when he takes his shirt off? You're talking to me. Okay, what do you have you think? not seen a still picture of that? His chest is no. like... It's like a Mack truck. Skinny is not a word that you would apply to him in that case. I, I promise. I will find it and I will send it to you right now. But <laughs> just saying. Um, no, but that's the, that's the body type that I think. Now, he is not traditionally handsome, so he wouldn't be the face cast for, for um, Clayton. He wouldn't. But I don't know. I don't know who would be either. Um, I do have this kind of I have this kind of vague, symmetrical, handsome man. You know, that's all I got. Yeah. Um, Not quite a pretty boy, though. No. Um, so, so no Chris Hemsworth or Chris Evans because that's no. too pretty for. Yeah. That's too pretty for Clayton. Yeah, I would say so. I'd imagine them more as Stephen. Stephen, what, what do you mean? His younger brother. Oh, I In fact, Stephen stroke Stefan is the younger brother name of both the lead characters in the Westmoreland series. Okay, well, I'm going to, for the record, if everyone hears a ding, you will know that this is the picture of Adam Driver, not skinny, showing up on Ray's uh, phone right now. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I I would just say that he's he's sort of the body cast, but not the face cast. 
So um, anyway, I guess I should probably let everybody know what this book is about if you have not read it. And I will read the little blurb. Under the dangerous languorous eyes of the Duke of Claymore, Whitney Stone grew from a saucy hoyden into a ravishly sensual woman. Fresh from her triumphs in Paris society, she returned to England to win the heart of Paul, her childhood love, only to be bargained away by her bankrupt father to the handsome, arrogant Duke. Outraged, she defies her new lord. Whitney cannot and will not relinquish her dream of perfect love. Whitney is... I'm trying to just understand or try to, to say this without being really irritating. Rude. <laughs> but Whitney, as we meet her at 15, is annoying and a brat. That having been said, I get why. I get why. Like, she's grown up with a distant dad. Her mom is dead. He doesn't, her dad doesn't understand her. He don't, he's not giving her the kind of emotional support she needs. I get why she behaves the way she does. But that child is a brat. Like, sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> did you get my picture? I did. He's very, very broad. Would you call he has his... no... No, he has no narrowing, so he looks quite chunky. Well, that's because of the pants he's got on. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they, put the, they put the poor guy in, like, these high-waisted pants. I guess, I don't know. But they did. They put him in really high-waisted pants. I guess they don't want him to slide down when he's, like, swinging a lightsaber around. Yeah, and he's, he looks like he's wearing Simon Cowell's trousers. But he is 100% not. I mean, I, he can be skinny. He can be. But he's not a skinny guy. That's actually big for Adam Driver, like, width-wise. But anyway, moving along. Um, so, what did you think of very early Whitney? Very early Whitney, I can, as you said, I can understand why she was the way she was. Her dad was, he just gave orders. She mm-hmm. was raised by the household who obviously would have given her zero discipline because she was the daughter of the house. She wasn't their child. So she was pretty much left to her own devices. And then her dad would come along and say, oh, act like such and such or do this rather than educating her or offering her any guidance he was very um I'm trying to think of the right word for him autocratic yeah that's probably the best word he was not a parent to her Mm -hmm. so she was pretty much left to her own devices and some of her behavior when she goes to live with her um aunt Anne and uncle Edward does change because she's getting she's getting guidance and support from them Mm -hmm. so certain elements of her character do improve a great deal Mm -hmm. when she is taken to live with them in France but he doesn't tell her she's going to live in France he's basically and give her time to adjust to the news he's basically oh you're leaving tomorrow Mm -hmm. and she doesn't even find out from him they're saying oh well it'll be lovely when you come and live with us in France it's like what which is very much how she discovers that she's been sold to somebody mm-hmm. she doesn't know, and he, for what no, and, what, and for what amount of money is that? What staggering sum is that? A hundred thousand pounds in eighteen twenty, and I did some, a few sums. Not that I'm great at them, but I used a wonderful online calculator, and that actually works out that in today's money, he paid seven point eight two million for her. 
Wow. Yeah, and and you think about 100,000 in those days, when you consider reading Pride and Prejudice, his income was 30,000 a year in the same time period. And that and was, was considered, a, and he was very wealthy. He had Pemberley, which is huge. And Clayton somehow, his family has somehow amassed enough of a fortune that he thinks nothing of paying a hundred thousand pounds to somebody for something, which as I said, again, is 7.82 million. Now that's a lot. Yeah, that's not, that's not a world in which I exist. So I don't get it. Me neither. I wish I did, but I don't. (laughs) I think I could live comfortably on 7.8 million or whatever, you know. I could could probably live on that for life. (laughs) 100%. Okay, so one of the things that we sort of noticed when we were chit-chatting about and we decided to do this book the amazon reviews especially recent reviews 2017 to 2018 um, oh clayton is accused of being a rapist um he's abusive. And abusive and all of this stuff and that's not that's not the bulk of them i mean that's not the bulk of the reviews to to be fair but no but, i i think the majority of the reviews it gets it gets four stars on amazon mm-hmm. so i i wanted to sort of like deal with that for a minute. I think we need to realize that this book has has aged, right? I mean that we're talking about a book that is literally thirty five years old at this point, almost. Yeah. It's... And by the time she wrote it and then published it, it's at least thirty five years old. Like the manuscript would have been from eighty four easily. Right? Easily eighty four. Yeah. Um, potentially even eighty three. So I'm not sure that we can hold it up to modern standards of what is considered appropriate and and I think but not only not only that though I think that one thing that frustrates me when people review historical is there is a passing of time mm-hmm. it's kind of like saying oh well I hate gone with the wind because it portrays this and it's like you can't change history Mm-hmm. No matter how much you want to, you cannot change mm-hmm. history. And this is, though it's obviously, it's written through the eyes of an American who uses American names, but we won't get there. We won't touch that. It's one of my bugbears. Um, you're okay. using date inappropriate. Mine's using um, location inappropriate names, but it's, that's neither here nor there. What I have an issue with is when people go, oh, well... That I don't like that because this portrays this character as such and such. It's like, well, yes, but that's how things were. Women were chattel. They were mm-hmm. belongings for their fathers to sell. It sounds awful, but it's true. For their fathers to trade for money. I mean, okay, so in the for the most part, men it went would the other sell, way, right? Men, yeah, it went the other way. Men would provide um, fathers of wealthy families would provide a dowry for their daughters and Mm -hmm. give that dowry so that the husband and wife had something to start with. But in this case, it's reversed because he wanted her, Clayton wanted Whitney for whatever reason, and her father needed money. So he was in a perfect situation to say, I'll pay off your debts, though how he got in that much debt is beyond me. He must be a seriously bad gambler. Um, And... 
he paid for her. But that's the way of the world, and it's how it was in the 1800s. Women were not... We didn't have the vote. We couldn't um, have jobs. Okay, in the United States, a woman could not get her credit card in her own name until after 1971. Let me repeat that. 1971. So, you know, I'm just not... And if you think about it, we didn't get the vote until the 1900s. It's only last century. Yeah, so, I mean, when my grandmother was born, her mother didn't have the right to vote. In the United States. So, put that in your pipe and you're smoking. But anyway, um, with regards to this, I want to actually deal with something else with Judith McNaught. Um, you know, we're talking about the things that we find like, oh gosh, she's the wrong name. Da, da, da. But you know what? One thing that she does do, and she's done it with both books that we've discussed on the podcast. Yeah. She goes into a lot of of detail and a lot of depth with these characters. Now, leaving aside... They aren't one-dimensional. Yeah, yeah, leaving aside the whole using the name Jennifer that didn't exist in the 1500s, um, we got to know Jennifer really well. And and part of the problem with that is I'm reading this book going, oh, Whitney is just Jennifer 400 years later, right? Or Mm -hmm. 300 years later. And... I mean, even even down to some of the same kind of, it's not a trope, but you get Jennifer winding up killing this horse, remember? Mm-hmm. Because she was insisting that it do something the horse knew it should not do. And then she also, and granted this book came out first, but she like slaps, she goes to slap Clayton with a crop, which you don't do, like... You can get mad at Clayton for, like, a lot of things, but Whitney's violent to him. Oh, yeah. She's violent. I mean, she almost killed him with because she went to slap him and hit Dangerous Cross and the Stallion instead, and that horse does not respond well to crops. And, and she'd seen that. Yeah, she knew it, she saw it, and she swung a crop around that horse no matter what, which she shouldn't have done. I mean, it's just like, so you get to know that she is an, a, she get to know that even four years on from the 15 year old ridiculousness, she is still a brat. And you also get to know she's got a really short temper and that she, she's know, irrational. Yeah, she can. And, and, and you know Some what, the- I'm a middle-aged woman. So I, I have kind of gotten into a point where I, I get real impatient with people who don't like think stuff through. I'm like, come on. Come on, you know, uh, but when I'm reading this, like I, I thought to myself, oh, it's just Jennifer all over again. So, but then in a way it's more Jennifer is Whitney because yeah. Whitney was written, was created yeah. first. Exactly. Exactly. But some because of thing, I, I mean, some of the things she does are so ill thought out because that whole, um, there are, there's an instance at the end where, I mean, the whole thing is really she's resentful of Clayton because he purchased her. Which you and, need to be resentful of your dad. Yeah. But she, I mean, she's resentful of him anyway. Yeah. But um, <laughs> and I don't blame her. Her dad's no, horrible. Yeah, he her, is. Dad is, her dad is. Her dad is actually Jennifer's dad in many ways, too. Yep. But. Um, yep. She's yeah. She's resentful of her father. She's resentful of Clayton for purchasing her, which was a poorly thought out thing anyway. I mean, 
he bought her and then he tries to trick her but that's neither here nor there then she decides that she's going to elope with paul and the only reason paul wants her is because paul wants her father's money that he doesn't have right so i mean he he's proved to be a shallow selfish and she can't see it and she can't see it until she does yeah, but I'm just saying, she can't see it. Initially. And then she's so frustrated with Clayton, like, she sort of resists the stuff that, like, they do get along. I mean, they are... They're friends. Know, yeah. And it's not like she... I'm trying... This is a romance novel. They are destined to be together, right? So, it's yeah. not like... I, I just... I don't know. I have a hard time with Whitney. Sometimes I'm like, grow up, Whitney, grow up. So that's the thing. She's got. If she'd accepted her lot in life, there wouldn't have been a. There wouldn't have been a novel. You're but not ultimate, wrong. <laughs> but ultimately, at the same time, you do. Though she frustrates you, there are certain parts of it where you sit back and you go, "Oh God, I feel sorry for her in some ways." Yeah. Because she hasn't had it easy. Her dad sees her as a payday and I mean he goes to slap her and the only thing that stops him is Clay basically saying do not touch her Mm -hmm. but that's after he's essentially told her oh well you're marrying him because he's bought you right and here so she's now feeling like she's a possession that is worth nothing more than the money that gave her father servants paid off his debts his debts not hers right well the other thing too is um clayton does use some verbiage that that are it's sort of guaranteed to set any woman's hackles on oh the yeah rise, right? hey, a woman no matter what kind of education she has will eventually has to submit to her lord and master pardon me i mean even 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 I would think a woman from 1820 would get a little bowed up with that kind of language. But at the same time, at that point in, at that in, during that era, it is true. Yes. A woman, a woman was someone to be clasping her husband's arm, agreeing with him, and occasionally walking five steps behind. wasn't quite that primitive, but at the same time, the message is still there. A woman is... She, I mean, she doesn't have her own money. I'm trying to she think when they, when they passed the laws in Britain that gave women some more autonomy. And I think it was after this. Oh yeah, it was way after this. <laughs> like, I think, but I think it was like Victorian, right? I think, I'm not sure exactly, but it, it's probably 50, 60 years after this. But even the, but I'm just saying the language would kind of bow some people. Yeah, up. it would. Oh, it would definitely. So right, women gained the vote in 1918. That's not the. But I'm not talking about the vote. I'm talking about when were women allowed to like testify against their husbands in a court of law? When were women allowed to retain some money? Um, that kind of stuff. That that kind of stuff. Not necessarily yeah. the vote. 
When did Wollstonecraft write A Vindication of Rights of Women? All right, hang on. It was a vindication, right? That was what Wollstonecraft Yes, 1790, yes. Uh, vindication of Rights of Women was written in 1792. Okay, and see, here's my thing about this. <clears throat> I would imagine a headstrong woman like Whitney would have read that. <laughs> yeah. In and probably quoted it. <laughs> 1842, women were first banned from working underground in mines. <clears throat> That's 22 years after this novel. Mm. 1842. Mm-hmm. In 1853, an act for better prevention and punishment of aggravated assaults upon women and children was passed. A man who beat his wife could be imprisoned for up to six months. Ooh. That's 1853. That's great. Eight then he goes home and then he beats her more because he's mad because he spent six months in jail. I'm sorry. Yep. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, the timeline. So essentially, though, Wollstonecraft wrote her book 30 years, well, 28 years before this this book was based. Mm -hmm. The women's right. Um, that was, I mean, that was the 18th century. Mm -hmm. Only just... But um, the vindication of the rights of women was written in 1792. Mm -hmm. Women weren't, weren't banned from working in mines until 1842. And men weren't prosecuted for beating their wives, possibly to death, until 1853. Wow. Um, well, let me actually also say this. He, Clayton actually when she does that bit with the horse and sends him off and almost kills him and almost kills the horse, dangerous crossing. Yeah. Then he like spanks her like a child with a crop. And, and this is not, uh, this is not like a BDSM novel where someone's a sadist. <laughs> you know? So, so this really is him infantilizing her, right? Giving her, yeah. and she says that, you know, this is a child's punishment and a brutal. For, he and tells my, her he tells her she's acting like a child. And he calls she her. He calls her on her fault. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think one thing that Clayton does all the way through is he does call her on her mistakes. He doesn't let them go, as we've seen happen in many novel, uh, many historic historical romances. He doesn't let her get away with her childish, potentially dangerous behavior. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, let me let me back this up. Um, I remember buying this book at a little store on the beach near Fort Lauderdale in 1989. And it was white cover, Whitney, my love. And I was, I read this book on the beach, um, trying to work on my tan because I'm Gen X and I had to have a tan. So I, I know I read this book several times. You still have your original copy from 1986, right? You didn't call yes. this when you did the great culling of your books when you moved. Nope. And so, you know, and I, I actually did eventually call this book out. But my question to you is, in the final analysis, do you still like this book? Why do you still like this book if you do? Why don't you if you don't? I, I don't know. I mean, I think I we like, both agree it has not aged as well as it we has not aged. 
that has not aged as well but at the same time I'm still a Gen Xer and Mm -hmm. certain things that I read I don't read them and think through the eyes of a Gen Y or Gen Z Mm -hmm. and I don't think I ever will because I'm not one I mean I can see the um see the horrific way that women are treated and I separate my literature from reality and I always have done Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm ever going to read a book and go oh my god I can't read this because yeah you're not going to clutch your pearls no I'm not going to go oh my god this is horrific blah 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 I'd um if I I know that if a man treated me the way that he he treated her I'd leave Mm -hmm. but I'm not reading it to judge on real actions because mm-hmm. it's a book. Mm-hmm. And also, it's a book based in the 1800s. I actually did research, and apparently we didn't gain the right to retain our own salaries until the 1880s. So Victorian era. That's what I thought. Yeah. So I thought. Married women were allowed to keep their, legally allowed to keep their earnings in 1870, and women were allowed to keep their own properties from 1882. That's what I thought, 1880s. Okay, so, I mean, um, it's well after this, and obviously Whitney didn't have much. (laughs) Uh, Well, she didn't have anything. The thing was, I think the thing that frustrated me the most about all the men in her life was they used, I mean, no matter how badly her father treated her, she still loved him. And both her father and Clayton used the, oh, well, would you see your father living in, um in a prison prison, yeah in a debtor's in a debtor's prison because you won't marry him because you won't marry westmoreland and i think that that was so unfair but at the same time as i said it's a book i don't think the um I think the one thing about this is it's well written mcnaught is a good writer exactly she and she does gives... good good job with character development. And here's the other thing. Whitney being who she was, if her dad had actually probably gone to her and said, Whitney, this is the situation. This is, this is what's happening. She would have balked, but I don't think she would have let him go to debtor's prison. No, which is why I felt that using that as a threat to her after presenting her with a fait accompli was really wrong. Mm-hmm. It really, it, for me, it, that was the bit that made me sit back and go, well, actually, if I were her, I'd tell them to sod off and run away. Mm-hmm. But that's me. Um, purely because the threats that they used against her were unnecessary if they'd gone to her like an adult and mm-hmm. treated her like an adult. I think if they'd done that, and they tr- because he never treats her like an adult, her father. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And I think that's part of the issue. The fact that he doesn't treat her as an adult furthers her behavior as a child. Right. Well, and that's the other thing, because Clayton wanted to have this sort of bucolic country courtship. He forbids her father. And it's like, dude... You know, you you don't realize it, but you're making yourself. But you know what? At the same He's time, he's sticking his own grave. <laughs> yeah, but it, the other the, the flip side of that too is, is it so wrong for him not for him for him to want his wife to want him for something aside from his money? 
right? Because in the end, that's what it is. He doesn't want to go to her as a duke. He wants to go to her as just country gentry, what yeah. she is. And to be... On equal footing. Right. And, and so I'm, I, I get that, but it is dishonest. I mean, it's just, it, it's tricky. It's tricky. I just, I think in the final analysis, this is not... This is not a book that I'm probably going to reread again. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, ha- I had to get it from the library and it's large print. So I don't know what page anything is on because everything's well, wrong. You, <laughs> but, you say that. I was going through this because I keep, I, I'm one of those people. I will literally use anything I can as a bookmark. And I, I used a receipt as a bookmark and I discovered that I'd used a receipt as a bookmark because I I found out the last time I picked this book up and read it was 2008 so it's been a solid 10 years yeah it's been 11 it's been 11 years because that receipt was dated February 2008 so I probably started reading it or was reading it on the way home from the supermarket or something Looking at the receipt, that's probably the case. I was reading it on my way home from the supermarket, and it the, the receipt was dated February 2008. So that was the last time I picked up this book and read it. So do you think you'll pick it up again in the next 10 years and reread it? Possibly. But I'm one of those people who doesn't throw books away that are in a set. Gotcha. Well, I, I have thrown away a couple of sets, uh, Twilight being one of them. Um but be nice. I, <laughs> I'm being nice, but that is one of the, that is being honest. That is one of the sets that after reading it, I actually, I didn't throw them away. I gave them away to somebody I knew that would read them there you because go. I didn't, I didn't want them cluttering up my bookcase any longer, but it is a set. It is part of a set. I have got the other books in the Westmoreland series because I've got um, a kingdom of dreams and I can't see it from here, but I have got the, third book which is about Stephen I think who is so, Stephen his brother Stephen is Clayton's younger brother okay yeah, that's what I thought I, I feel like I've read that Do you know I think it's called it? I think it's called only you I, I think I've read think. that it's about I think her name I want to say her name is Elizabeth or something but well, at least it's an old it, name it's been a very long time since I read that. Okay, well. All right, well, is there anything else that we want to say about this book? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's Until You. Until You, got it. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Was well, there anything else we wanted to say about this one? I don't, I don't know. I'm, I would say that if you can keep an open mind and don't and love character development then Mm. maybe this is um mcnaught is the kind of author for you granted she hasn't actually written anything in two since 2012 i feel like she's retired no she hasn't no that's a lie she hasn't written anything in 12 years i I was looking she's retired i think she may have done they keep on talking about she's got a new book coming out called miracles and the release date Mm -hmm. has been changed and changed changed and it turns out that actually what it is is um, an expansion on a short story that she wrote in a book that was released by a, her and a couple of other authors. 
but at the same time that has just not happened the book is advertised constantly on mm. amazon as not available so if you like novels where the characters are very well researched and the the prose is well written mm-hmm, mm, it is absolutely so though the storylines can be a little bit frustrating then i would say and the heroine's a, a little repetitive yeah though that said i think at least um, the westmoreland heroines were repetitive <laughs> i think once and always is quite good and there's another one by her um with a ser- um, heroine called alex and I actually really loved that book. And I think that's the first one of hers I've read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, this is the first one of hers I read. And I liked it well enough to read a lot of her books. So, But she doesn't actually have that many. I think she's only got about six or seven books. And then she changed genres and went to writing. She started writing romantic thrillers. See, I've read that. a lot of those too. So I've read a lot of those. Um, but I mean, yeah, we're talking romance novels that are over 500 words or 500 pages, which is yeah. significant, you know. This one was 538, but it smells so nice. My copy smells a bit like vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting at work reading it and just every once in a while bringing, bringing the book up to my face and sniffing the pages. People would look at me really weirdly, but I do love the smell of books that have been paperbacks especially that have been sitting mm-hmm. on a shelf for a while because they have this incredible aroma about them because okay. I'm weird <laughs> um okay so the um for the record if you are interested in this series the Westmoreland series uh the very first chronological one is A Kingdom of Dreams, which we've reviewed. And then yeah. then this one is the second in that, which is Whitney, My Love. And then the third is Until You. And the her- hero is Stephen and the heroine is Sheridan. Which is, yay, yet another very English name, isn't it? I, I, it's a name that I've never, aside from the hotel, and it's not spelled like the hotel, so I don't even know what to do with that. But we have We have an actress called Sheridan. Okay. But, but having said that, Sheridan has an American father. Okay, well, there you go. So, um, McNaught apparently wants to spice up British, uh, British nobility names, I guess. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I think, I think what the number one thing you need to recall when you are reading something like Whitney Malove is this came out in 1985. This is the... This is the era of bodice rippers. And even though the, the cover doesn't necessarily look like one, this at its heart is a bodice ripper. So. Oh, yeah. I 100% period. agree with that. Okay. So I think we need to tell our listeners what we're reading next. This is, this is my choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not, it's going to make some of our listeners happy. I am sure it is it's not. It's not going to make Sally very happy. It's going to make no. me happy because it's my time of year to read it. And it is the uh, probably one of the, what would be considered one of the original romance stories. Mm-hmm. It's one that many aspire to. And in some ways I could actually see elements of the character in Whitney, my love. 
very, oh. very loosely. The arrogance, the prejudice, those things I could see. And that's probably a really big clue. But we are going to be reading one of my favourite novels of all time. And that is Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. So, yay, we are going completely classic on the next one. Indeed. Which is actually written at the time that this novel is based. Indeed. And was written in 1815. So, yay. Indeed. Yay. And I can pick one of my and I can pick one of my six copies to read. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> you look so happy. I'm smiling. Yeah, your gritted teeth, smiling. <laughs> but I, I have to say that it is one of my favorite novels ever. Mhm. So. I am looking forward to it and I've been waiting for the day that we could read it. So it sort of coincides with my time of year to reread this novel. I actually do like Enemies to Lovers tropes and this is kind of one of the the original. It's a classic. And, you know, what is Star Wars but Pride and Prejudice in Space right now. So anyway... Although I get some pushback. Some people would say it's Jane Eyre. Some people would say it's uh, um, other other uh, things like this. But I'm Jane pretty Eyre. sure it's pretty sure it's Pride and Prejudice in Space. Anyway. Alright. So. Chili pepper rating on this? <sighs> the only real sexual encounter that we see in any detail is not worthy of a chili pepper rating purely because of its tone you know and that is probably why people dislike this so much why some people dislike this so much yeah and, and i tell you what made me laugh is i was reading further on and you saw how far I was reading this morning and I was reading an element of it just after their marriage night and he says I am giving my body to you as I gave you my love before and my ring today when I'm inside of you I will put the seed of my own life into you and leave it there for you to keep and shelter within you a symbol of my love and need for you like your betrothal ring I have to admit that I squicked at that moment <laughs> It was like, why did you do that? It was going so well until that point. Why? Is so, there any man who would say that? Yeah, but then baseball bat, I will remind you. Um, oh, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, if we rem I think if we read this as a, there are certain, you could literally remove the sex from this and it would probably read as a better book. Okay. Which could possibly be the hallmarks of a novice romance novel writer, which Judith yeah, McNaught was in 1984. So there you yes. go. I think that the the scenes, the bed scenes, the sex scenes between Whitney and Clayton were completely unnecessary. And I wouldn't even go as far to say that they were to say that they were gratuitous. They were unnecessary. We didn't need them to understand the development of the story. She could have completely glossed over the events of the night of the ball that turned everything so badly on their so badly on its head. 
and it would have read, I think, smoother. Mm-hmm. But that's just my feeling. So leave comments below or on Twitter or anywhere else. You can find us at, at ISN Romance on Twitter. Leave us your comments and let us know if you think the same, that it would have read as a much better book without the sex scenes. All right. And uh, on that note, Ray, where can people find you on social media? You can, they can find me at, at All About Ray on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So I've got a grand total of five followers mm-hmm. and I I know and I tweet about range th- uh, a range of things from Marvel to what I'm reading to the weather because I'm British and that's one of our things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I also am far more active tweeting on our main um, ISN romance account. So follow us there. Okay. Which, and also leave likes, please leave likes. <laughs> or tweet back at us yeah, or, or tweet, tweet back. back tweet back at us that would be cool all right well you can find me as palmetta blue on twitter and instagram and again i don't really say a whole lot on um instagram i take pictures of things i make on instagram and then on twitter i do tend to tweet more about star wars but star wars is also a romance so there's that and how would you like to sign out this i keep on searching for your happily ever after and i would remind you that romance isn't dead it's alive and well on your bookshelf bye bye